Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. G'day guys, just a reminder that our Supercoach merchandise, the Winners Win and the King Pretender t-shirt, they will be available until Sunday, the 12th of September. So you've got about five or six more days. They'll be closing on Sunday, that entire pre-sale. So if you'd like to dive in on one of those, head to the website, www.rugbyleagueguru.com.au. Buy your Supercoach merchandise there. Support me or G up a couple of your mates in your competition or more importantly, declare yourself as the champion. Thanks for your supports, legends. Let's kick off the podcast. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Elba will get the score. Big one. It's farewell. It's farewell. And he heads it in there. He's got the fair goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from, as I said, a captain to a legend. And probably rugby league immortality. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Supercoach season, it is done and dusted. Thank God I was well and truly done with it. And I don't think I'm the only one. Welcome back, Wispy. How are we? Good, mate. Good. It's, uh, yeah. Look, it's sad to see the back of it, but it's also good. We can, we can move on to 2022, look at the positives. But it does feel like last week we sat down for that very, very first episode where we had the terrible audio quality. It was my first sort of time behind the mic. It was, yeah, very fun times. And it feels like it was only yesterday. Mate, it feels like an eternity ago to me, to be perfectly honest with you. I I, I imagine it, it, it's been more more fun with you, your, your first season and stuff, but God, super coach. And mate, I've done better in classic than what I've probably ever done, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I think I finished 5,000, which I think I finished higher, but I think I've been more relevant this year than I ever have been. Still didn't get close to uh, being at the top there, but yeah, good God, it has been a long year. I'm, I'm, I'm glad super coach is behind us. Draft absolutely shit the bed for myself. You got a win in your draft comp, didn't you? I did. I got the uh, got the big dub in the weekly rubdown listener league. Um, but classic, mate. I think you need to send me one of those Supercoach Lemon shirts. I, I think I need to be donning that for the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I'll be wearing mine around. Don't worry about that, mate. Um, as far as award winners go this year, I know that you ran a um a survey on on your Instagram story, and I'm very interested to hear the results because uh. Mate, it's been one of those topsy-turvy years, hasn't it? And, you know, especially when it comes to cheapies and young guns that have emerged. I mean, it is the one positive to come out of this 
we found some super coach stars for the next 10 years or so, haven't we? We have. Look, I didn't want to run a poll on the best hooker, the best halfback, because I think they're all pretty standard. Like you and I will touch on those after this, but I want to think outside the, the box a little bit. So we've got the best cheapie. We've got the biggest surprise package of the year. We've got the biggest dud. Uh, we've also got the best under the radar pick who seemed to perform sort of week in, week out, but didn't get the, the recognition I think they deserved. Uh, and we also have the MVP, which I guess we'll kick off with. There's no surprise to me that uh, a certain fullback won the award. Uh, Tom Travojevic, uh, season to remember. I think I've said this a lot. The poor guys over at Supercoach, I think we're behind the eight ball from the from the word go because the rule changes, they didn't adapt in time. And, and Turbo really picked apart that. The awards for the, uh, sorry, the nominations for this was obviously Turbo himself. Nathan Cleary also got a mention. Nico Hines, another fantastic mention as well, and Ruben Garrick. But with 92% of the vote, and there was over 3,000 votes, Tommy Turbo uh, took this one out, and the other 8% went to Cleary, so it wasn't close. Mate, I, the, the other day I sat down for about an hour, and I went through Tom Trojevic's stats for Supercoach this year, compared it to the top scorers the last few years, and you know, occasionally you hear a fact that you're like, whoa, that is just unbelievable. I had about seven or eight written down for Turbo. I mean, when you consider... Mate, if we would have done this podcast 12 months ago, the conversation would have been Teddy has broken Supercoach with a 95 average. Turbo broke it by fucking 50 this year. It is just, it's unbelievable. And I mean, you you know better than me, but I think this year he scored three of the top four highest scores ever. Just unbelievable. Had a 191. He had a 208, a 226, and a 229. So three scores over 200, one score in the 190s. Let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. 12 scores over 100, and the bloke played uh, how many games did he I think he it's start? 15, isn't it? Uh, yeah, not, not many. Uh, 15, 15 games. He had one, two, three, four scores under 100. I remember watching Teddy in that game last year against Canterbury where he absolutely brained it. And I remember just sitting there going, we'll never see anything like this again. We've seen that every two weeks from Turbo. Like, it, yeah. it, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form there. It has just been unprecedented. Yeah, there was uh, yeah, no week at all. So there was, like, no back-to-back week where he went less than 100 two weeks in a row. He went a 68, backed up with a, with a 191. He had a 40 against Newcastle. Backed up with a 208. A 95 against the Tigers. Backed up with a 226 against the Sharks. 87 against Melbourne. 87 against Melbourne. I think people people want to say that Turbo doesn't perform in the big games. He had five line break assists and two line breaks that game. Scored 87. The next week, backed up with a 179. So the bloke, I think, is match proof. The only, the only slight against him is that 87 against Melbourne and a 68 against Penrith. But Jesus, if you're low, if your floor is a 68, and your high is a two twenty nine. Can we get a petition going to get the, uh, to get Ruben Garrick to give Tebo the uh, the tee just right in front of goal every week? Mate, imagine if he had the goal kicking. I mean, what do, does that put his in that team with him setting up everything? Does that put his average? Are we talking one seventy? Like where 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 would we be sitting? I think I think I work at the rough numbers and and don't quote me on this, but I think Garrick improved his score by about twenty three twenty four this year with goal kicking. So if, if Turbo was kicking at the level Garrick is, and that's a very hard task because Ruben Garrick was a was a sharpshooter this year, but yeah, we'd be pushing up that 170 category. And if he played uh, 80 minutes every week, there was a couple of games here. We played 72, 64, 69, 68, 74 minutes. So yeah. The, the scary thing with Turbo is though, at halftime against the Cowboys, he was on 35. Yeah. 
and he put on what 195 points in 40 minutes and, and, I, and scored and scored two of the best tries I've ever seen in the space of 10 minutes. And I think, mate, like obviously, if you're a footy head, it sort of goes without saying, but I think people also need to realize that every week that Tom Travojevic has ran on the field this week, all the other team has spoken about for the last seven days is how to stop. Tom Travojevic. There is not a player in this comp that is more targeted by other teams just to simply slow him down, and he's still doing what he's doing. And I mean, I you know the the same goes for all players that have been on unbelievable runs. But mate, even Craig Bellamy was not like I know people say, oh, they kept him quiet. Sweet, 87, 80 fucking seven. Tedesco's average last year was ninety five, and we thought he broke super coach. Turbo comes up with eighty seven, and a lot of people thought he was quiet that game. It is. The, the more you think about it, the more it just blows your mind. You think you think so. Manly started, started off the 0-4, and, and it took a it took a last-minute field goal from DCA to win in, in round five. And from then, Manly flipped the switch, and, and it was it's in, incredible. I don't think we'll ever see it again because I think Supercoach has the, the time to adapt now. Um, and that's why I think this will be a, a historic season for the ages. Supercoach will adapt to these new rule changes. And I don't think Turbo will be as successful but, but gee, like it's just one of the all-time great seasons i know this isn't a super coach question but i guess Hano 09 barber 12 tedesco 19 turbo 21 i've got turbo 21 in front by by a fair distance uh mate i i declared on on my podcast probably six weeks ago that i thought turbo 21 had overtaken i just i don't understand how you could make the argument anymore that it isn't the best. It's just... And to think that he also went to State of Origin and he was the best player there as well. Um, I mean, if he... Geez, if, if they manage to win a premiership this year, I'm happy to declare it will be the best season we've seen, not only seen, but will ever see. I cannot see anyone outside of Tom Dravojevic himself bettering what he's done this year if they win the premiership. It is just... It's it's it's, 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 it's a beautiful mix of, of being the main man at the system and, and having all things around you. Like... People people forget it's obviously Turbo gets the spoils, but Kieran Foran in his day was a New Zealand six, uh, the Australian thirteen, the Australian seven. Like there, there is quality around him, and, and they don't get the highlights. Uh, but Turbo definitely finishes off. He makes Jason Saab look a much better footballer. Uh, also made Brad Parker, Morgan Harper, Moses Sully, and Ruby Garrick as well. Like the the backline just improves around Turbo and. Um, yeah, if Manly go on to even make the grand final, I think, mate, it's going to be very hard to argue. And super coach wise, I don't think we'll ever be having this conversation again. And I think as well this year, uh, like I, and I haven't spoken about it on my podcast yet. I will over the next few days, and I'm sure you'd agree. I almost think that this game on Friday night it could decide the premiership because the the loser of that has to go on the same side of Penrith. And if you have to beat Penrith to get into the grand final, you're essentially having to win two grand finals on the trot. The team that takes the other avenue. It'll probably have to beat a South Sydney without Latrell to get into the grand final after they've played an extra week. I mean, God, it's it's going to be hard for the winner out of whoever versus Penrith to get up for that game again. It's funny. I remember the the, the famous rugby league guru quote is is South make it hard for themselves. They finally got themselves in the top four, but they've lost their South fullback, and I think it's a big uphill battle for them. So, I think the premiership winner will be coming out of uh, Manly or Melbourne or the Penrith yeah, system. It's yeah, crazy to think about, mate. Let's. Let's divert back to Supercoach. That's what we're here for. Let's jump into the best cheapie. Uh, you had a couple of options here. You had Walker, Walsh, Curran, Schuster. Um, mate, I would imagine that Walker, he was seemingly owned in just about every team. Obviously had some disappointing flaws, but the ceilings were just too good, weren't they? 
the surprising thing with this is I think people forget how cheap Nico Hines was. He was in that cheapy category and didn't cop a lot of nominations. But uh, yeah, Sam Walker, it's it's hard to argue against it. Uh, the kid came on with a basement price, had all the hype in the world in the preseason, but delivered. Uh, there's some other guys that we'll touch on later that had hype and didn't deliver. But Sam Walker, his ability to free up funds, but also be a solid uh, reserve option during the peak of his sort of performance. He had six scores over 80 this year. So definitely a world where he could have performed. I think Josh Curran, there is a little bit of recency bias in that, the fact that he had a fantastic end of the season. Uh, we also have Reese Walsh. It's it's hard to... The thing with Walsh was it was hard to fit him in your team yeah. because of the single eligibility at fullback, but also the fact that how stacked that position was. It was hard to, to go with him. And Josh Huster, a guy that you tip for Rookie of the Year, if someone was to say that he, he got it over Walsh, I wouldn't be against that either. But with 42% of the vault, uh, with the forty percent of the vote, sorry, Sam Walker was the winner. Mate, let's go to the biggest surprise, and uh, the winner of this one got sixty percent. I, if you said to me he got ninety nine percent, I wouldn't have been shocked at all. There's a couple of other really handy names. One in particular you'll want to talk about, but Isaiah Papali'i as the biggest surprise. Uh, I think I said to Denon the other day, if, if if at the start of this season I said, do you write down the top sixty second rowers in the NRL? There's not a hope in hell Papa Lee gets a feature for me. Uh, we obviously heard about the hype a couple of years ago at the Warriors, but it just it just never came through. And even when I watched him, I was like, uh, I think this is just another New Zealand Warriors beat up on their players, essentially. But for him to arrive in Parramatta and Brad Arthur do what he's done with him, man, he's turned into one of the premier forwards in our game, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, the hype in 2019, I remember it well. Like He was in my side up until Timbers Shooter that year and never really panned out, but this year started off the bench for the first few weeks with Maddo and Sean Lane. I, we remember that they switched sides as well. I remember yep. you and I speaking on that quite heavily. Maddo was on the left and Lane was on the right. Didn't work out for the first couple of weeks. Papali'i came on and killed it. Uh, Bryce Cartwright also those first couple of weeks played well. So there was a lot of threat on the two second rowers to to hold their spot. But Isaiah Papali'i did enough to knock down that back row spot um, with Sean Lane. From there, we saw Papali'i move to the left. We saw Maddo move back to his natural right. And Papali'i made that spot his own up until Regan Campbell-Gillard went down with injury at the back end of the season when Brad Arthur shifted him to prop, which affected his average ever so slightly. But still, the fact that he was a dual position as well, front row forward, 2RF, gave teams a lot of flexibility. Um, you bought him, you could buy him in his... When he looked like he was going to be a star, you could still buy him for around 400k and uh, just brained it. And he was in a lot of people's teams. He was the most owned player this year over the guys like Turbo, over the guys... Uh, like Cleary, uh, over 51% of teams, I think, had him at one stage, and rightly so. He was a, a sensational option in the front row forward spot, considering how barren that position was this year. And yeah, my surprise pick of the year. No questions there. There were other options here, like Ruben Garrick. The thing with Garrick, though, we know that the talent was there. We saw him perform well as a rookie in 2019. 2020 sort of fell off a little bit, but it was hard to pass up IPAP. Uh, you've also got Adam Dewey as well, who... It wasn't for him, the Tigers. If there was a relegation system, they would have been relegated six or seven tiers. It was yeah. a shocking year for them. Apart from him, he was he was sensational. And we also forget Mitch Barnett. Uh, the first six rounds, he was he was a machine until Lachlan Fitzgibbon came in and took the minutes away from his rotation. But yeah, Barnett, uh, I, I'd, season long, it's hard to to give it to him. Adam Dill, you could definitely give him the option as well. And a lot of votes went to him. Garrick, I wouldn't push back on either. But I'd say Papali'i for me and, and by the sounds of you as well, mate. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what you said about Barnett's spot on, I just think a lot of people have sort of tried to bury Barnett. I mean, he was just, he was so good for the first six weeks, but then it was just a constant headache. And 
I, I mean, if you managed to get it right with Barnett all year, I think you've got incredibly lucky because he was in and out. It was all over the place. I know that Ruben Garrick in my draft competition, he's what has uh, been the difference for the winner in our comp. Uh, obviously, Tom Travojevic got knocked out, but... Mate, Ruben Garrick, he was all of a sudden the scariest player in the comp not named Tom Travojevic. It's unbelievable how much the game has changed that a winger could be that scary. And I mean, he's a good player, Ruben Garrick, but like he's not that semi-Radraja sort of character where you just can't possibly stop him. It's uh, it's crazy how much Supercoach has changed, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing that I'm, I'm hoping is, is fixed in the offseason. No disrespect to Ruben Garrick, no disrespect to guys like Alex Johnston, but... You look at the performance that Payne Haas puts in, he'll, he'll bust his ass for 70 minutes and pump out a score of 70 and and these wingers can fall over for a couple of tries and get that. So I, I do think the balance needs to be there. But if you jumped on it, uh, I know I did in my draft, it was even round five that Garrick was still on the waivers and I managed to pick him up and, and he changed the game for me. You say, you, you're shaking your head because you're in a deep league. I was only in the 10-man league, but he, he, he was just that kind of player that could really yeah. turn on their head. But the fact that Papa Lee, he had the, the flexibility and the ability to come in at, at a great price. I think you can't pass him up as the biggest surprise package. And mate, without having Ruben Garrick's numbers in front of me, from memory, he wasn't overly impressive in the first five weeks. Like, I, I, he's a guy that I definitely would have considered letting go. Just the way, like, we all know how, well, we thought we knew how good Tom Travojevic was, but you couldn't have possibly predicted the impact that he's had yeah. on this side. It's just, anyway, enough talking about Turbo. I've had enough of him this year. Let's move to... The biggest dud. Uh, now, a couple of names here. The guy that take, has taken it out, I've got to tell you, I wasn't overly keen on him from the start. I do remember someone messaged me about Charlie Staines in the preseason, and it's one of my favorite messages I've ever received. They sent me uh, the amount of games he's played, the amount of tries he scored, and they Ken said, Irvine 2. <laughs> will, they, will he catch Ken Irvine? And I thought, fucking what? How? How? Uh, oh, absolutely blew me away and he wasn't joking either but Charlie Staines by far and away the biggest disappointment this season for me um you know I I didn't have him in anything but man it had shocked me the amount of times I'd look at his score with five or six minutes to go in a game and he'd be on single digits and pretty low single digits by the way we're gonna sound like Harry Hindsight's here which which I hate you hated as well but you and I were pretty vocal about avoiding this one hardcore. He was over 300K, inflated by that incredible try-scoring record last year. He had promised. It just didn't really deliver. He had uh, nine scores this season of of 25 or below, and he only posted back-to-back scores of 45-plus once. No base on the wrong side, outside of Stephen Crichton most of the time. It it was... a recipe for disaster that they'd stick Paul Momorowski out there as well, who we know that is a, is a run first center, the same as Crichton. And it, it spelled disaster for Staines. He, he didn't look like he didn't look going for the ball. And, and that's probably highlighted by his uh, other winger partner in Brian Toro. Mate, the next two guys on the list, they interest me a lot being here. And I've got to tell you, they're two guys that I didn't really expect too much of them coming into this season. Tino leaving Melbourne was always a worry. And, Malolo, I thought the writing was on the wall for him. Obviously, we didn't expect him to break his hand eight times or whatever it was. But, I mean, we knew that, you know, Rodney Payton up there, he was going to mess around with his minutes and stuff. Did these two surprise you being in that biggest dud category? I, I sort of saw this one coming, to be honest with you. Shows that Supercoach's game are very, very fine margins. All preseason, I was on the... Uh, Tino is a trap. Don't buy him. He won't replicate it. Mitch Rain isn't Cam Smith. Won't go to the advantage line, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I was... I was Confident on that. And then I watched him in a trial game against the Warriors. I think it was a week before the season started. Scored a try, broke some tackles, looked looked like the team that we knew. 
I dropped for Fafita for him. I dropped for Fafita for Tino just before Tino's Tuesday. Oh, so it, oh, yeah, it shows you the super coach of the game and very, very fine margins. But Tino, I wouldn't put him in the same category as Staines, but I think a lot of people, and especially probably more casual fans, had Tino hyped up to the roof because of what he did at Melbourne and and maybe guys that don't understand the systems change and whatnot. As for Tamalolo, the minute that Todd Payton came out mid, in mid-February and said that he's going to be playing reduced minutes, that put a red line straight through him. Tamalolo, we always had hope for him. Whenever he would play bigger minutes once a week, we'd be like, oh, let, yep, sweet, let's get him in. I remember one week he scored a try and had a line break and scored 90-odd, and he was one of the most traded in targets that week. But it just never really materialized with his broken hand in big air, quote, air quotations. The fastest recovery I've ever seen. One week, mate. Uh, it's, I don't know what's going on with the Cowboys. Uh, I'm sure that you'll break it down either in a preview next year or the end of this year. And David Norfoluma, uh, another one you and I were pretty vocal about not performing as well with Benji Marshall and uh, that materialized quite well. Yeah, another one that I think the writing was on the wall. And I even felt like, and you'd probably know more than me, but I just felt like his base stats were a little bit down on what they have been previous years. Was that the case? Uh, yeah, it just the offloads weren't the same and, and wasn't making those those shit meters out, out of his end that uh, we know that he, he can do. I know that he's, his power base was, was somewhere up around the 40s last year. This year it was struggling to crack sort of mid-30s and it didn't ever really pick up for him. The try-scoring record as well, he sort of over overperformed last year in the try-scoring sense. Having one of the best sixes of all time feature balls does help. No disrespect to Adam Dewey, but he's a very different footballer to Benji Marshall. Um, another name on the on the dud list that didn't make the the final nominations but did get a lot of uh, mention was Jerome Luai. I thought this is a little bit harsh. Um, Luai set the world on fire, and and if anyone should be upset with Luai, it's me because uh, I brought I brought him after his month of monster scores, and I brought him at a sky high price, and it, it, he went downhill ever since then. But I think with the options at five eighth, you've got Cam Munster, you've got Cody Walker. They were the standouts all preseason. No one expected Luai to. To, to be a standout. I think people maybe chuck this one in because of the fall from grace, similar to a Jaden Braley. Yeah, and look, I think as well with Jerome Lewis, like I feel like he started the season well, and then as soon as people started hyping him up, the scores sort of fell away. And I, I don't know what your thoughts on it, but I thought I sort of felt that a lot of that came down to the real emergence of Matty Burton. He was sort of playing as a bit of a wider 5'8", and it was more of just a catch and, and, and dish off for Jerome Lewis, which... By the way, was working for the Penrith Panthers, so I, I kind of agree with you, mate. I think he copped a little bit of unfair criticism this year. Yeah, I said that on my podcast about a month ago, actually. That uh, they're using Burton as a as an additional half. Yeah. It's and, like Jamie people, Lyon back in the day, you know, like yeah, you just typical, typical. Yeah, and 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 people will, will bag out Luai, but uh, Ivan clearly doesn't give a fuck about Supercoach scores, does he? No, no doubt about that. Let's move to uh, the under the radar guys and. Uh, uh, a couple of guys here that I know you're a fan of. Luciano Leilua, I had him from day one in every single thing I could possibly have to do with in Supercoach. He came in at 43%. I, I may, Maybe just because I, I had him all year and I never traded him out, I wasn't part of those conversations much. But I was a little bit surprised with uh, Leilua winning that, to be honest with you. What were your thoughts? The last round didn't help him. Uh, he had a 64 average up until the last round. He ended up getting bumped down to a 61 after a pretty poor performance. But... Yeah, just Luciano Lua never really rose above 10% in classic. And I think that's because of how stacked the position was. Yeah. Angus Crichton, David Fafita, Isaiah Papali'i. These guys that really dominated that 2RF spot. Guys like Luciano couldn't get a look in. But uh, one of the Tigers' best forwards without him, I don't know where the Tigers would be. There would be no strike going forward. 
yeah, I, I'm not against this pick from a classic standpoint. As a draft owner, you, you, you watch these guys a bit more carefully uh, compared to classic. But from a draft standpoint, he got 43% of the vote. The next man with 38% of the vote, uh, I hyped him up all preseason. And my, you won't believe the amount of messages I copped after he went down with his hamstring injury in round one. <laughs> Matt Lodge, he bounced back. And the thing with Matt Lodge, fun fact, he played both buy rounds, had that crucial move from yeah. the Broncos to the Warriors mid-season played round 13, played, played round 17 as well. And uh, a big tick for people that brought him in for the for the first buy. They got an extra number in the second. And I thought he was one of the Warriors' best forwards apart from the last game when him and uh, Jared Wallace pretended to be Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Yeah, no, mate, I think he's been really impressive this year. And I, I really like, as a footballer, I really like the signing by the New Zealand as a, Warriors. As a footballer, yeah. in, in quotation. Yeah, I'm not, uh, probably not sharing a stake in a beer with him anytime soon. But uh, as a footballer, I, I definitely think he was impressive. Just going back to the Leilua point, uh, as you said, like uh, when you got him in draft, you watch him a lot closer. Mate, the potential that Leilua has got, I, I still think we are just scratching the surface of the footballer he could be. When he hits his... like He's the sort of guy that I think has the potential to get close to having one of those like Bryce Cartwright seasons. He's just got this amazing skill set. He is near impossible to tackle when he gets going at top pace. You just don't see it enough from Luciano Leilui. There's going to be one season where he is going to be an absolute must-have and people are going to be so disappointed that, that they missed out on him. I'm not too sure if we'll see that season in the back row. I love Alex Twile. Alex Twile's a fantastic footballer. I don't think he's a great 13. I'd love to see him yep. shift to the front row with with Big Stefano. Uh, Sean Bloor and Luke Garner are fantastic options in the back row. They can do a job. I'd love to see Luciano just play 13 and just... Got about the motor, go- though. That, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Has, has he got the motor to be able to make all those extra tackles and whatnot? Do a TPJ. Just play 40 minutes. Or just play 20-minute stints. I don't, I don't yeah, care. Okay. I, I want to see... I want to see the Dragons, Luciano Lewis creativity side with the with the discipline that he's developed at the Tigers. And it shows you that how much little discipline he has when he isn't the most calm player. But Madge has done a, a wonder with him in terms of developing into in him into a solid footballer. But I want to see that creative side, that explosive side that he had at the Dragons come back, potentially in the 13 jersey. And it's one thing, mate, that I've found strange with Leilua over the last two years is that Madge has done incredibly well with him. Don't get me wrong. He's been very impressive. He's sort of turned him from a bit of a highlights reel into a really, really solid second rower. But I don't just think meat, we... Just meat and potatoes, isn't he? Yeah, and I mean, he has got so much more to offer. It's not even funny. I mean, I just... If you wanted a meat and potatoes hooker, a meat and potatoes second rower, go and get one. There's a fucking heap of them. There's only a certain amount of guys that have Leilua's skill set. And, you know, I, I, I think long-term, it'll be better for him that he has he has really toughened up. His defense has improved out of sight. But I think you've also just got to give him a bit of a license to play footy and... Let's be perfectly honest here. Like The Tigers need to be scoring points. I want to see him trying to offload at will. And maybe that's a little bit selfish as far as Supercoach goes, but mate, he's got the ability to, as I said, have that sort of Bryce Cartwright sort of impact. Yeah, if you can get the, some second-phase footy happening with the guys like Adam Dewey and, and Jackson Hastings coming through the door, like who knows what's going to happen? I'd, I'd happily see Luciano throw away the ball on the opposition 10-meter line, trying to create something. I mean, when, when you no disrespect to Bulldogs fans out here, but when you're getting shut out by the Bulldogs... Something needs to change. Yeah. I think Luciano could be the key to unlock that. And then, as you said, mate, if he can find that TPJ offload type, type-esque play, he could be up around the 70, 75 average, and, and he could be in the same breath we talk about these other stars. And, mate, like you, you'd be able to talk about it more than me, but the thing I found most frustrating about Leilua this year is when he's not offloading and he's going to ground, it means that they set out to that left-hand side, and 
there is just nothing doing out there. They've got all their strike players on this right edge, and when they just bury it with Leilua, you swing it back to the left, and there's just nothing doing. I Mate, I found it frustrating to watch, and I don't go for them, obviously, as all of my listeners are well aware of, but you do. It must it's, be frustrating. It's, it's better for your mental health if you don't go for them as well. <laughs> well, mate, I, I hear that you might be boycotting. Mate, if the, uh, if the new Brisbane team comes up and they're looking for some new members... I'll, uh, I'll throw my hat in the ring, but you, you hit the nail on the head with the Tigers. It's it's not hard to defend them. It's it's tackle Luciano Leilua and then just rush Adam Dewey because that's what they do. They'll, they'll send it they'll send it left and then they'll just set up for Dewey on the, on the right. And yeah, then there needs to be some kind of creativity happening there. And, and moving on to Luciano, I think he could be he could be the guy. Mate, the last two guys on the under the radar list, uh, Reese Walsh. I think that that's probably got more to do with the position he plays. Realistically, would you agree with that? Probably a little bit of bias for me as well by, by sticking him in here. I'm a, I'm a huge Reese Walsh fan. Yeah. Finished the season with him when he had that great run over the, for the first couple of three weeks of the of the finals and then tape it out a little bit. Um, but you're right, like never really above 10% either due to one Tom Travojevic taking up half the fullback spot that you can have. And the other man, Daniel Tupo. Uh, I think the, the giraffe never got the love that he deserved. Not as big of a base as Brian Toe. But a definite respectful one. He would get you 50 points on a, on a, on a trialist night. And we know sort of the aerial threat that he can be. The big negative with Tupo is he is so good under the high ball. When he does score, it's with, it's without a line break. Uh, but when they get Kiri back next year, when they get their, their full squad back, I could definitely see Daniel Tupo carving up. You look at some of his base numbers uh, with, with sort of tackle breaks and whatever, and they're up around the 50 points. So he's definitely someone to, to have in this conversation. If he... I think if if Brian Toe wasn't Brian Toe, we'd be looking at Tupo in a similar mold as that fantastic base stat winner. Yeah, I, I guess Brian Toe, he's just become the absolute exception. He's just so far above the rest of them as far as base stats go that you sort of, you, you really do underappreciate guys like Tupu that three years ago, he was an absolute goldmine, wasn't he? Goldmine's Josh Mansour. Oh. Josh Mansour two years ago was, Josh Mansour walked so Brian Toe could run, mate. Yeah, it's... Oh, geez, it's been hard to watch Mansell this year and for it to end the way it did, far out. Tough gig. Mate, Um, let's move to the positional awards. Uh, a couple of really obvious ones. Obviously, fullback we don't need to go into. Let's talk about hookers, though. Um, now, obviously, at the start of the season, all the talk was pretty much Harry Grant or Damian Cook. Uh, even though Cheese was starting in the nine, I just... I didn't expect him to score try after try after try after try but what a season from the cheese unreal stuff did my head in the cheese is one of those guys whose base isn't fantastic and and i'm people people that listen to the show know i'm I'm a huge base tap man and i could never get behind him but his average this year uh was incredible it was a 68.0 you could make the argument for harry grant being the hooker of the year with the superior average with 73.5 so what's that five and a half points clear of the cheese yeah but the fact that, that he just wasn't on the field long enough for me to be, to be a real option. I think a lot of uh, shout-out needs to go to Reed Marnie as well. Yep. He played 17 games with a 67.8 average, so 0.2 below the cheese. And I think if, if Marnie didn't get injured, we'd be talking about him as potentially the hooker of the year. And I mean, mate, we spoke about Turbo before, how every team was watching him every week, talking about him every week. Every team would have gone in against Melbourne saying, cheese, five metres out, just get bodies in front of him. And he, he's just unstoppable, isn't he? Like, there's just, he, It almost looks like you can't defend this fella. He is just the perfect size for rugby league, essentially. 
especially that hooker role yeah. and what he does. Um, I think Harry Grant will, will be the option next year. Dalfanukan leaving is is huge for Harry Grant, I feel, because that 13 role I think will get filled by Brandon Smith. Um, he's been very open about his playing weight and how that fluctuates depending on what he is required to do. And I think with a full preseason, Belliac will just say, look, I need you to put on a, a few kilos. I need you to, to be a bigger body in that 13 role. And that's going to free up Harry Grant. So you can make the option for him. You can make the option for Cheese. You talk about Damian Cook and how poor of a season he had. He averaged 65.7. So he yeah. was 2.3 points below Cheese. We're talking about Cheese like he was he was the second coming of, of Robbie Farrow. But for his standards, Cook wasn't that far behind. I guess it's just what we expect of Damian Cook in pre- previous years. And, mate, I, in my opinion, I feel like I haven't seen Cook run anywhere near as much this year. And it's not really an insult on Cook. I think it's just been the role that he's had to play at South Sydney. He hasn't need to run like we've expected to. But yeah, mate, if you would have said to me, and that was without looking at stats at Cook at all, I haven't had him in draft or classic or anything. If you would have said, what was Cook's average this year? I wouldn't have gone anywhere near that amount. So an mid, impressive mid, mid, mid 50s at best, probably. Yeah, I would have gone max 57. I wouldn't have gone much higher than that. I, Mate, I'm, there was one afternoon that I saw him lay on a couple of tries at Leichhardt, I think it was. But outside of that, I can't really remember Don't games. Me. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but outside of that, I can't really remember too many games with attacking stats from Cookie. Let's move uh, to the front row forward. And obviously, a guy that was dual position. We've already spoken about him, Isaiah Papali'i. It was 10.5 points clearer than expected in Payne Haas, who himself didn't have a great season until the back end when Matt Lodge and Tavita Pengo Jr. walked out the door. Isaiah Papali'i, we we touched on him in the earlier part of the podcast, mate. He was just leaps and bounds the best front row forward option, and and it wasn't close. There is no argument to be made here. He played 23 games. The only game he missed is because Brad Arthur decided to roll out the jersey flag side. But apart from that, he would have played every game and and been a sensational option. Uh, As we said, Payne Haas at number two. If this man sat on the field and was more consistent, we could be talking about him, but Luke Thompson is just becoming... Too much of a liability, I feel, to, to be in the same breath as guys like Papali'i. A guy with a huge upside, but just struggles to stay on the field. So I can't get behind him. And, and Tavita Pengai, I think the move mid-season really hurt his supercoach credentials. Uh, only averaging 65, but we know how good he is on his day playing 80 minutes. And you mentioned Luke Thompson there, mate. I agree. And I, I think he's got a bit of a name for himself too. Now, I think referees are well aware of Luke Thompson and the sort of footballer he is. And you know, it's sort of one of those unspoken things, but I think he's sort of going to fit into that Maria Hargraves, Hetherington sort of role where, you know, things that might or might not be a penalty for most blokes, it will be for them. I sort of feel like Luke Thompson is, has fallen into that category now. Yeah, definitely with the with the growing on reports that referees put on uh, players and his judiciary record, uh, you're definitely right. He'll, he'll fall into the holy trinity of, of Jared Rear Hardgraves, uh, Jack Henrington, and now Luke Thompson. I feel like there's just too much of a stigma around him to be looking at as a super coach option because you'd be replacing him every third week. Let's move to the two RFs, and uh, David Fafita is the pick here. Uh, a really interesting guy this season. Uh, it was sort of, for me, I felt like David Fafita, outside of Tom Trevojevic, because it's a position with so much depth, he was just the guy, if you didn't have him, you were just sitting behind the lounge in fear whenever the Titans were playing. And, you know, he, he really, he, his base stats improved out of sight for me this year. That was one thing that I really didn't see coming out of his game. I kind of thought he was going to be a bit of a trap, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts on Fafita? I don't know. I don't know where I stand on Fafita. He averaged 85 this year, but there was plenty of games sub 40. Wow. <sighs> 
obviously had the phenomenal try scoring record this year. That's been well documented, which leaves me a little bit unsure about what we do next year with Fafita. Does is he someone that you have to start with, considering how good he is? Considering guys like Angus Crichton are now developing a judiciary record, uh, Tohu Harris coming off the back of a pretty major injury will probably miss the first start of the season. Uh, Brandon Smith moving into a new position. The only man I can really see rivaling him is Cam Murray. Uh, but apart from that, Fafita was sensational in the try scoring sense. The good thing with Fafita was if he went quiet, you weren't burnt because everyone had him. So it wasn't a huge pod move, but uh, Isaiah Papali'i, number two as well, a dual position as we've touched on, no need to go on him. He was seven and a half points below Fafita, but still fantastic option to have nonetheless. Angus Crichton averaged 74.5. You and I were both high on Crichton. We, yeah. I set his line this season at about 80. I was hoping a, a big season for Crichton at about 80, but the Roosters were just smashed with injuries. And I, I feel Crichton had to pick up much more of a defensive duty rather than showing the attacking flair that he had. Man, I'm just looking at Fafita's stats. 21 games, 17 tries. I mean, it just seems astronomical. But for me, the penny hasn't dropped yet either. I don't think Fafita has realized how big and how scary he can be. I mean, 17 tries is unbelievable. But if he was to score 17 next year, mate, are you overly surprised? Even even 13 or 14 tries, but yeah. if he knows that he can go look for the ball. Like, if, if Fafita knew that he could just just go for a run whenever he wanted to and no one bad night, he'd, he'd go through the roof. But I feel he parks himself out on, on the edge and, and does go missing at times. And when those tries don't come, because we know Fafita, the tries for him come in bulk, don't they? Yeah. They're not... When he scores 17 and 21 games, it's not one every game. It's two or three, and then a month without them. And the month without them, that's when it, it did hurt super coaches, but it balanced with a fantastic 85 average. And, mate, I, I think the Gold Coast Titans, as much as they finish with a, you know, a pretty bad record this year, I think they are a team that is at least trending in the right direction compared to a lot of sides. And, I mean, he might be the king of flat tracks just quietly, Dave Fafita. And let's be honest here, there's going to be a lot of flat tracks coming his way over the next few years, isn't there? There's some pretty poor teams down the row. And you've, you've got guys like Jaden Campbell and Toby Sexton emerging. Uh, Philip Sami in the back line. I like him. Brian Kelly looked to be coming into his own. Uh, you've got Greg Marzu as well. Like there's some some good options for Fida um, to get the ball. If he doesn't need to be making those shit hit ups, there's, there's guys there that can progress the ball for him. And if he can capitalize on the back of it, uh, I think he'll be finishing in, in the side next year. Mate, uh, halfback, Nathan Cleary, is there anything you want to touch on here? Writing sort of on the wall for me. Is, is there anything in the halfback category? You can make a case for DCA because the fact that he scored more points, but that was just down to Cleary not playing as many games. Yep. Cleary averaged 40 points clear of Cherry Evans. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, 30 points. I, I can't count. Uh, Luke Cleary is a very interesting one next year. A lot of people are put off by serious ACL injuries, but the fact that he's had a full year to work on this, he's not being rushed back through preseason. Uh, he's someone that we could look at for next season, but in terms of 2021, Nathan Cleary for me by far. What what he did is, is uh, phenomenal and... If it wasn't for Turbo, we remember our magic round against the Titans. He put on 225 and everyone lost their mind and Turbo yeah. just come in and died both times. But clearly he had a sensational year and I don't see that slowing down next year. You and I both said he'd be the best halfback, but it didn't take a genius to work that out and he provided once again. And mate, I mean, once again, we go back to the point of, you know, remember when James Tedesco broke Supercoach last year with a 95 average? I mean, Cleary's just knocked up 108 average. No one's talking about it. It's it's incredible. And, and look, Turbo's going to walk the Dallium. Uh, I don't think anyone's doubting that. But Cleary, any other year, he would have he would have shattered the record. Can, 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 can you imagine if Turbo wasn't playing? Like, we would be losing our minds over Cleary beating Tedesco by 13 points. 
it, it's unbelievable the more you think about it. We'll touch on him in the center wings uh, in the very next sort of sentence. But mate, two years ago, even one year ago, Brian Toto scores 160. I'm getting messages. Hey, do I loop? Like a year ago, I'd laugh at you for asking the question. Yeah. But the fact that Turbo is is Turbo and the fact that Cleary is Cleary, like it just 160 loop isn't safe. It's it's ridiculous. No, the game has changed and in a scary way. Five eight, mate. Uh, we just mentioned obviously if Tom Travoyevich didn't exist, uh, we'd be talking about Nathan Cleary a lot more. I feel like we're still talking about Cody Walker, but definitely not enough. There's three guys I feel sorry for this year. Uh, there is Walker, there's Cleary, and I think James Tedesco's had a great season as well. But when you compare them to what Travoyevich has done, it's just been blown out of the water. From, from memory, was you you were pretty keen. You, some pretty rogue takes at the start of the season uh, about 5-8, didn't you? Was it J- Jerome Luai that, that, that you were going? At, uh, or, or have I got this completely wrong? My 5-8, if in, in an ideal world, I would have had Cody Walker from the start. Yeah, um, I, I ended up going Connor Watson, Matt Moylan, just because they were cheap at the start of the year. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I had I had Munster. I think I had Munster below Walker. I'd have to go back and have a look. I think I had had Walker above just because of the, the ceiling that he had. Um but Cam Munster as well. Like no one's talking about him. The bloke yeah. averaged seventy four this year, but didn't disappoint. Like he never had a game where you'd be upset. But the issue is he never had a game where you'd be overly happy. I think he may have had one score above hundred. I would have to check. Well, mate. I mean, when you compare the season that Cody Walker had, which has just been a walking highlight reel, then you compare it to Cam Munster, who I think has not been poor, but he just hasn't reached anywhere near his ceiling and. I mean, there's only 10 points different in the average. And I know 10 points is a lot, but, mate, I felt like I was watching Cody Walker lay on three tries every Friday night, whereas I felt like I was watching Cam Munster lay on three tries a month this year. It's it's incredible. Obviously, Walker's been in red-hot form, but I don't think he's been rewarded um, properly as far as super coach points goes. That's just the way I feel. Maybe because I drafted him. I don't know. But um, it's crazy to think where Munster is, considering how much more of a ceiling he has. You talk about blokes you feel sorry for. Cody Walker is 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 the man. Everyone's loving Cody Walker. He averaged eighty three point eight. He he was sensational. Public enemy number one, Latrell Mitchell, averaged eighty two. Yeah, people aren't talking about him. And the fact that he's going to have the goal kicking next year, I think that's a huge tick. Uh, I said this to you before before we started, mate. Like, are we crazy for not going turbo round one because of the astronomical price he's going to be? Because we've got guys like Pappenhausen coming back into form. Another guy that we have to feel sorry for. Pappenhausen scored 199 early in the season, and like we just we just forget about it. Yeah, like it's 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 incredible, and there's so much. I think there's gonna be so it's gonna be one of the most interesting preseasons I can remember next year. I feel. Yeah, it's gonna really do. And I mean, mate, the, the first thing I thought when you said to me, "Am I crazy for not starting with Tarovitz?" The first thing I thought, just out of habit, was, "Well, it depends on his matchups." And then the moment I thought about it, I went, "No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter about his matchups a, in any a floor of a floor. Oh, sorry, a floor of forty against the Knights, but." That game I went to was pissing down, whatever. But people want to want to say he doesn't perform against Penrith and the Storm. Against the Storm, he had five line break assists and two line breaks. Against Penrith, he had sixty-eight super coach points. Shock me if your floor is sixty-eight. You, you're terrible, apparently. Like Jesus. Well, I mean, mate, you know, based on scores this year, if Tom Travoyevich plays Manly and Penrith twice in the first month of next year, he's still going to average seventy-five odd. Like it's. At a minute, that's if he, you know, uh, uh, I'm sick of talking about him, to be honest with you, mate. It is just it's just crazy what he's achieved. Um, I, 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 think most, I think most um, people will have to start with him next year, though. You're sick of talking about him, but unfortunately, uh, the center of the wing 
I think owes a yeah. owes a couple of Christmas cards to him as well, doesn't he? Yeah, Voldemort has set up uh, Ruben Garrick, his fair set of meaties, uh, lined up a fair few goals for him as well. We, we already sort of spoke about Ruben Garrick a little bit, but uh, he's a guy that I never would have been. And then, you know, I laughed before when you said he was on your draft, um, on your draft free agency list, but... Mate, he scored sub-40, I think, two in his first four games this year. For him to finish with an average of 88, that is unbelievable. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Second most points as well. Uh, If it wasn't for a, a Turbo 229, Garrick would have had the most points this season. And if you told me to list 500 names, Garrick would not have been there at all. It's he, he's come on leaps and bounds. I, I, you can say that, that Turbo's laid on tries for him, whatever, but Turbo didn't lay on the last try against the Cowboys. There's been multiple times where Garrick's done it himself as well. Like people, obviously they'll, they'll put the, the, the fame on the Turbo, but Garrick has improved out of sight. His goal kicking last year was shocking. It cost manly points to the point where DCE took over. This year, he has been a, an absolute sharpshooter. And and don't get me wrong, Turbo has helped him immensely, but I think Garrick has, has developed as a footballer tenfold. Mate, I, I was looking at it the other day, and I'm not sure, like, is, is Ruben Garrick, is he going to be a top 10 draft pick next year? Oh, that's that's a good one. That, that's something we'll have to sit down and work out, because I think draft forwards next year, they're going to be... It's going to be chaos. so hard to work out. It is going to be chaos. So, mate, I, I was thinking, if you would have taken Ruben Garrick in your draft this year in the top 60 picks, I would have bullied you. Honestly, like... Yeah, now, anything, inside, anything inside the first five rounds, 100%. Yeah. And now, if he's available at the back end of round one, fuck, mate, if he, he could be pick seven or eight without without sitting down and going through it. Being a goalie in this team, he on it, like he's the guy that won the comp... Uh, in mine this year, you have a look at his run home. Uh, he went 110, 110, 199, 50, 59, 125. He scored four hundreds last six games. I mean, that is outside of Tom Travoyevich. I, I have no look at all the scores, but geez, that's one of the best run homes you'll ever see. Realistically, touch on 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 top options at centre wing and how how crucial they are. Brian Toe. He he came back after his ankle injury and lit the world on fire, but he was doing it all year. Like his base is incredible. He is the best winger to get out of your own end. Look, he struggles in the air. That's fine. You can make up for that. Like what he does for a team for Penrith, Cleary, yeah, Cleary's sensational. He'll he'll help them through. Uh, Isaiah Yo, one of the best thirteens in the game. Meters that Brian Toto can generate for his side, I think is second to none. He finished with an average of eighty four point zero, one hundred and sixty four as well in the uh, in the last game of the season. I think he scored a hundred odd the week before as well. After he came back from syndesmosis, like he is a tough cookie, isn't he? And mate, I think the other thing with Toe that no one talks about, as you said, he struggles in the air. But the thing that I love about Toe is, you know, if someone jumps over him or if he drops a ball or whatever, you can guarantee in the next ten minutes he's going to come up with twelve base stats because he's just working his ass off to try and make make up for it. So. You know, you might lose your two points for a knock-on or whatever in Supercoach, but he makes it up in the next 10 minutes. He just goes berserk. He takes it personally, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he, he is he is a, a gun. Finished the year with a three-round average of 115. We talk about other guys that we feel sorry for. Nico Hines finished the season with a 78.2. But what would his average have been if he didn't come off the bench and have those stints? Like another one of these guys that's come out of nowhere. Not so much nowhere, but in terms of a super coach standpoint, I think footy fans always knew he had talent. Uh, and I'll be very interested to see what Nick Meany does next year at, in, in this Tom system. I, I'm not too sure if he can fill the same role as Hines. Uh, but it'll be interesting. And if if he can replicate this at all uh, at the Sharks, it'd be a handy pickup. For me, there's a little bit of uncertainty around him, though, in the halves at the at the Cronulla Sharks, which is probably going to put me off him next year. But uh, 2021, Nico Hines was a breakout star. Would have averaged well over 85 if he hadn't come off the bench. Well, mate, I'm just having a look at the games he did come off the bench. Uh, there was four games. He scored 9, 20, 15, and 39. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to pull those out. Maybe, uh, maybe once he finishes up, I might... Um, I might pull those out and get some stats up. I know I said I was finished posting for the year, but that's probably an interesting one to have a look at uh, in Nico Hines starting alone. Another one of these center wing fullbacks, just fullback is the key, mate, isn't it? Oh, mate, without a doubt. And it's just, oh, I'm so excited for draft day next year. It is just going to be absolutely insane. I cannot wait for it to come around. I'm actually just uh, punching in these Nico Hines numbers. So give me about three seconds. Draft, um, boards, draft boards next year for anyone that's listening out there. Uh, put in together. Obviously, fullback heavy is the way to go. Uh, we're going to get prices and probably positions late December, early January. I would be planning your draft boards straight away. And and mine and Guru's golden tip is do not draft in the middle of February. Jesus Christ, you see it happen all too often. Right, you ready for a Nico Hines average minus his bench score? Here we go. What do you reckon it is? 92. 91. Unbelievable. Ooh. 91. Incredible. Incredible. That's, that's Tedesco levels. <laughs> that's four points year. less than when Tedesco broke Supercoach forever. It's just, and, we just, and we just forget about Hines. Yeah. No, we we, on it, we didn't even talk about him then. We did not even... It's crazy. It is crazy. Now, mate, before we do let you go, obviously it'll be the last time we hear from you uh, for a little bit. Uh, some exciting news coming up over the next year or so. Yeah. Uh, we've got Brew joining us full-time next year, which I think is, is a huge addition. Uh I've been pretty vocal and I've been pretty honest about you, mate, midway through the year, really lost interest in the podcast, doing it alone. You know yourself, it it can be a battle sometimes. So getting a full-time host next year, I think is is ideal. And the fact that uh, he ranked in the top 100 this year, not a bad... Uh, not a bad little thing to stick on the CV for the uh, for the podcast. Oh, but I hate some... those blokes just quietly, <laughs> mate. Uh, once upon a, once upon a time, it was me. Unfortunately, not not this year. But uh, I've spoken to you off camera, mate. You know firsthand the plans that we have for the podcast next year, and, and uh, I think you'll you'll happily agree that it's probably changing the way that uh, Supercoach content is given in in a sense. Yeah, no, nah, it's very exciting for you, mate. You come a long way this year, and uh, I guess I want to officially. Sitting down with you, uh, having a few brewskis, and we sort of worked this all out. I remember sending you the the very first designs I, I batched up, and I found them the other day actually, and they were they were horrendous. I remember you saying to me that you wanted, I think it was four hundred followers or something, and mate, I, I I remember I laughed at you, and I I sort of thought you were going to punch me for a second when, when I laughed at you, but uh, mate, you blew all those out of the water. And I want to thank you for coming on the podcast all year you'll be very busy next year once people do see all the plans uh, as they unfold as the year goes but uh, fingers crossed we can get you on again next year maybe even a, a bit of pre-season content to talk more super coach of course mate obviously with the eye still off work and I, I will be for the next year so plenty of time to uh to, to divulge the fantastic game of super coach that we love uh hopefully the listeners have enjoyed having me on although the the rank hasn't been ideal i think you and i have provided uh, some pretty decent calls and 
I know a lot of people have messaged me saying that you and you and I have helped them to to some super coach for the first time, which I think to me, I, I don't know about you, mate, you're not really a super coach devoted page, but seeing people get the win for the first time or seeing them beat their mates, that's way more to me than than getting any kind of accolades personally. Oh, it's unreal, mate, especially, you know, when, when people message you and they, they win a cash comp or whatever, and, it, you know, it, it's a 1000 or $2,000. Like, that makes, that's a big impact on people. You know, it's unreal when you, when you, when you get those messages sent to you. I've just got to ask. I've just got to work out how to learn to take my cut. That's all. <laughs> but Don't no, like, you, you, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, I would trade any decent, obviously I wouldn't trade first because it's 50K. I don't care about using that much, but any finish that, that doesn't result in any monetary gain for me, I'd much rather give back to you guys. And uh, yeah, back to the podcast, mate. Obviously you and I had the, the sports bet deal this year, which was fantastic for, for both of us. Um, every cent of that money that, that I got from mine, uh, sponsorship has gone back into the podcast uh you know exactly sort of what we spent the money on and and really excited for it next year and i just want to say thanks to you i know this is a bit off topic but without you mate i don't think i'd be where i am uh, there's been many times where I've, I've rang you at 12 at 12 at night asking you for help or dealing with some things but yeah you got me off the ground and and um i'm just glad that you're enjoying seeing me develop it to, to where that we want to take it Nah, it's good mate i'm very excited for you i think it's going to be a massive year for you. I'm very excited to see how it goes. And uh, yeah, mate, always on the other end of the line. And uh, as, as long as you'll keep coming on the Guru podcast and help me with Supercoach, because I've got no fucking idea what I'm doing, as everyone knows. But mate, uh, you, you, your rec says otherwise compared yeah, to mine. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know how I've done that, to be honest with you. But uh, it's funny, mate, in my group chat with my mates, you know, I, I was sort of at the top the entire year and I had that false sense of security, like, oh, the these guys know what they're doing. It's going to come tumbling down soon. And I think out of that group chat, there's six of us. I ended up finishing the worst at 5,000. Three of them got in the top 1,000. And, mate, there was at no point until about round 20 where I was like, these guys might catch me here. It was just crazy. But that's what the good super coach players do. And fingers crossed uh, we can push ourselves up into that brew category next year just quietly. Yeah, just, just don't buy Cody Ramsey. That's my... Uh my advice Cody Ramsey I still remember when you said it to me I was like oh I get it but we uh, were throwing shit at the wall hoping to stick to buy planning and and that's the thing like a lot of people will will say that this year has been a failure it has but you've learned well, I think I've learned a lot from from a super coach standpoint I've never had a this poor so you you, t- you take those you, you you looked at what worked in previous years you looked at what didn't work this year and you, you move forward from that and yeah very very uh excited for next year I'm th- I think you are too mate yeah, I mean, unless your name's Tim this year, I think you've taken your licks, you've learnt your lessons, and you'll be uh, keen to rip back into it next year. Definitely, mate, definitely. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah.